Hello, Summoners. Welcome to another episode of Phaeology, the study of Fire Emblem Heroes. I did not want to make this episode so soon after making the last uh, Heroic Grail tier list video episode. Not video, I'm crazy. However, um, thanks to Anchor running a new ad, uh, I kind of want to just test it out and make sure I understand how the mid-roll works. So to do that, I'm actually going to make a new episode because, you know, that seems like a fair thing to do. So today we're going to be covering the D tier of uh, the Heroic Grail tier list. So D tier obviously is better than F and E. Uh, D tier is full of units who uh, either have combat potential that is roughly around uh, uh, between E and uh, between E and C about D tier fighting, but it also includes some units who I feel have very niche functionalities. Uh, they're not great units, but they have some very redeemable qualities about them. So this is, for baseline reference, this is about the tier where I would consider summoning these units. This this tier is kind of like my threshold. So I'm going to go ahead and kick things off. Now, when I began this list, this is the entire Heroic Grail tier list, I thought Garnef would appear somewhere in F or E tier. I, I've never seen him used. I've never bothered building him. I don't think I ever would. Uh, however, Garnef does bring two things to the table that are worth noting before just writing him off. For one, he is a decently tanky mage, which is not especially useful, but it's not a bad thing. The main thing, the main reason he's in D tier, or the gimmick niche tier, is because of his weapon Imhulu. I like how they went with the uh, the Fire Emblem OVA design for what Imhulu is. Uh, its effect is more interesting than the artwork, though, so... Uh, props to you if you understand the reference there, but Imhulu looks really similar to what the OVA did, and I like it. So Imhulu is much like the Scotty bow in that it has a turn 3 activation uh, that has an effect on foes. However, instead of just removing some HP, Imhulu actually, for a single turn, passively alters the entire fight. At the start of turn 3, all non-magic foes within five columns centered around Garnef, which is most of the map if you keep him near the middle, lose five HP and cannot counterattack. This means for a single player phase at the start of turn three, basically your whole army is impervious to to physical damage. It's you know at all. Without fear of retaliation, you can do a lot of damage to the enemy army in a single player phase. Imhulu is a neat weapon and building a team around the gimmick of Imhulu could prove to be an interesting way of fighting through certain maps. Uh, I can't give a testimonial about how good this is, but I plan on building a team with Garnef and a bunch of odd wave skill units to see how well you can plan with this weapon. Of note, Garnef himself has Ignis and Mirror Stance at 4 star for foddering purposes. Neither are exactly fantastic, but are situationally very good. Stat-wise, Garnef has a 30-34 offensive spread, complemented by a 14 might preferred weapon. Not great, but definitely in the realm of redemption, and he has a 27-23 defensive spread, which, while not going to really save you from major damage, is higher than most mages. Speaking of mages with decent defense, the next unit on this list is uh, Lion, or Leon, as I have been told by the game a thousand times it's pronounced. So Leon is a unit that often has debate centered around how good he is, between people overvaluing him and exaggerating his fine points, and those who devalue him and brush his niche under the rug, Lion can be a tough one to figure out. Leon can be a tough one to figure out. I'm going to say it the whole time. You know what? You know, I'm just going to say Lion because I guarantee if I try and do it the other way, I'm going to mess up every time. Okay, I will attempt to explain objectively his strengths and weaknesses 
so as to allow for an accurate assessment of his ability. On his side, Lion has a decent 34 attack, 67 physical bulk, and 71 magical bulk. Very tanky for a ranged unit with decent enough speed to complement his defense. De decent enough attack. There we go. Yeah, not speed. He also comes with Naglfar, a 14 my preferred weapon that grants weapon triangle advantage over colorless units. Basically a stronger Raven Tome. As with all units with Raven weapons, you can run Triangle Adept to further increase your ability to combat those you are advantaged over. And something like Swordbreaker or Red Tomebreaker, Lion can dominate the green and colorless opposition while handling himself against those with the same color as himself. This is a common type of build for units like him, and it works quite well, able to be made better by different specials or sacred seals depending on how you wish to run him. All of this out of the way, Lion has an equal number of failings. For one, his high defense and workable attack comes at the cost of his speed. This isn't a deal breaker on a ranged unit like him who doesn't have too many stats to uh, waste on speed to start with, but it's enough to keep him from performing optimally in most situations. His Naglfar is inferior to other preferred Raven weapons, such as the tactical weapons appearing on Robin and Robin, Attorneys at Law. It has no refinement, and as such offers less than their weapons do as for uh, as far as having things to work with on any given map. His his fodder is all terrible, and uh, there, there are really a great number of strong blue and red units that he won't be able to handle. The obvious answer is just don't make him fight them. And while it's valid, you can't just say he's a perfect being because he handles his color advantage as well. Uh, Lion has a lot going for him. He can spread his strength out over colorless and green units alike. And with proper skill investment, he can perform very well as a tanky mage, far better than others who attempt a similar role. I'm looking at you, uh, Picnic Leo. Uh, he just has an equal number of flaws that pin him to D-tier. And you know I hate to stick him this low, too. You know how much I love Sacred Stones, but that's just the way it is. Uh, next on the list, we have Finn. Finn has the shortcoming of being another drop of water in an endless sea of Lance Cavaliers. He has nothing setting him apart from the rest of them. Any role he can apprise, most of them can also do. Many, probably better than he. In short, he has really bad magical bulk, which can be a problem at times since many green and blue mages can just nuke him. His offensive spread is pretty okay, actually, but uh, not fantastic enough to really give him an edge over his competition. While his physical bulk is pretty good, as with the rest of them, he is outclassed by others as well. He has no niche, nothing setting him apart, but raw stats to support entry into D-tier. Good cavalry is also a nice thing to have. Next up we have Pan, another uh, cavalry blue unit. Pan is an odd unit. I consider her niche because while she can have some very good abilities, granting her up to plus 9 attack, plus 3 speed, and plus 7 to her defenses, while negating enemy follow-up attacks, the requirements for this perfect combo are going to be nearly impossible to pull off, or at least not worth the effort. Pan does have decent combat ability even without the uh, stars aligning, but for her to reach any level of potential that validates using her over other fighters requires more setup than the mythical 100 HP Arden. While she can be good, the only real reason to use her over any uh, number of three movement blue units that come with her niches, uh, which are tough to utilize. The only thing she really has going for her that others don't have uh, are very difficult niches that, that grant her a slight advantage. So... Uh, in all, she's good, but not uh, nothing higher than D tier. 
very niche. But speaking of niche, Volter is not niche at all. <laughs> he is less of a niche unit, so much uh, as his combat prowess is in the area of redemption, but it's a double-edged sword. Volter has a unique lance called the Cursed Lance, a 16-night preferred weapon that grants a slaying effect in addition to imparting attack speed too. However, it does this at a price, sapping 4 HP from him at the end of every combat. As far as lances go, Cursed Lance is okay, granting 18 points of attack and 2 to speed and accelerating special trigger count. However, it will need a refinement to really become a standout weapon. As far as fodder goes, he has Luna and Darting Blow at 4-star and access to Panic Play at 5-star, which used to be good until it came out on Garen at 4-star. Stat-wise, Valther has meh, Offensive spread of 32-31, and as such is clearly a defensive flyer thanks to his 76 physical bulk and surprisingly usable 61 magical bulk. His extra stats given by his weapon are crucial to making him work, but with the right inheritance he can become a good fighter thanks to his high defenses and how rare that is amongst most flying units. As he is, he fits pretty comfortably into D tier. Next up, and... I'm proud to say the unit that started this whole tier off was Female Robin. Female Robin is the epitome of a niche fighter. Using either of her weapons, she can either reprise the role of a cavalry counter or a blue counter, whichever the situation calls for. The only unit in the game who comes with Gronwolf Plus, not counting Rajat since she comes with Keen Gronwolf Plus, which ordinary Gronwolf Plus can be refined into, Female Robin has fodder that gives her some decent value. In addition to Ground Wolf Plus, Female Robin also comes with Tactical Gale, the sister weapon of Tactical Bolt on Male Robin, which grants her a triangle advantage over colorless foes. She has essentially a cavalry effective weapon and a preferred color combating weapon in her kit, and both can be refined to be even more powerful. In addition, Tactical Gale can be refined to grant a Spectrum plus 4 tactic buff, meaning so long as there are 2 or less of their type on the battlefield, her allies can get a plus 4 buff to all stats, which is super useful and lets Female Robin replies a helpful support role. In addition to her Ground Wolf fodder, Female Robin also has Ignis at 4 star and Blue Tonebreaker at 4 star, and is the only unit in the game who comes with Blue Tonebreaker, meaning she has huge advantages in the fodder department. Her only real limitation is her terrible stats. A 29-29 in offensive spread is rough, and it won't let her get much mileage out of her weapons unless she is fighting specifically those she is built to target. However, despite this, she has decent bulk, and her fodder and niche combat lets her land a place in D tier. This list is getting long. This already at how long? Already at like 11 minutes. <clears throat> okay. Next on the list, we have Young Azura. Young Azura is probably going to be the unit on this tier who could have been much higher. And I'm sure you're all thinking that right now, too. Uh, however, when you look at what she is objectively, this is probably the best fit for her. <laughs> Young Azura is the only refresher present in the Heroic Grail pool. This alone gives her a niche, allowing her to bypass tiers F and E. However, beyond this, she has very little. Being a ranged refresher... Her BST is pitiful, barely cracking 140. She has only 53 physical bulk, and her magical bulk of 61 is, you know, not an impressive for a mage. Her attack of 33, while respectable for a refresher, is nothing to write home about, and not something you will often take advantage of in play, uh, given how the player phase, she's usually found singing, refreshing other allies. 
So without high enough attack to really do a ton, and poor defense is rarely allowing her much of an enemy phase roll outside of maybe taking a single hit from a blue mage, Yang Zura pretty much relies on nothing but her ability to sing to be useful. Her 29 speed also does her no favors. Looking at the description of D tier, she is a uh, weak offensive and defensive unit. She's very weak in both regards and has little fodder. Ordinarily, based on that criteria, she wouldn't even crack E tier were it not for her niche. However, being able to refresh is a skill that cannot be overvalued, and as such is good enough niche to at least be in D tier. Were she stronger or had some sort of statistical advantage over other dancers, she'd probably be in A or B tier, but the most interesting thing about her is her preferred weapon. Uh, she's probably not going to be using uh, that a ton either, given how little combat she'll see. She's probably not really all that worth summoning. Uh, the extent of her usefulness is probably met by her base freeform the game gave everyone. Extra investment won't really do a ton for her either. So I'm going to cheat, much like I did in F tier, and I talked about both Burkut and Clive at the same time. I'm going to talk about both uh, Jerome and Har. So Jerome and Har fit into basically the same category, given they are so similar. They have the same HP and speed, with Har having two extra points of defense to Jerome's point of attack and resistance. Basically no significant difference. They are both fairly average flying axe units. Good mobility, slow, tanky, heavy-hitting axe units on wyverns. The important thing to understand is neither of them have anything special about them. Compared to other, more easily obtainable heroes, they have slightly less desirable stats given their monstrously low speed and resistance. They do not have preferred weapons, and they have no passive skills that really jump out to you and make them really good. Jerome comes with rally attack defense, hit and run, and fortress defense all at 4-star, with Har coming with odd defense wave. None of those are that good, and really just do not add a ton to the mix. There's still a good mobility, tanky, uh, heavy-hitting Wyvern Riders with Axes, so they're still good. Uh, it makes sense for them to be at least in D tier, but nothing spectacular boosting them further, especially given how superior other units like Shirtay are. Next, and a uh, quick hint, not only next, but the last unit in D tier. We are all the way here. It's been a while, but I think we've finally gone through eight units, unless I miscounted. Be embarrassed. I'm actually, I'm actually going to check real quick. It had better be eight units, so I'm going to be embarrassed. Oh boy, let me check. Yes, yes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh my goodness. I was way off. Ten units. We just covered ten units in D tier. Wow, it's impressive. Okay. Oh boy. On to the tenth unit. Fallen Takami. Oh boy. Other than having possibly some of the best artwork in the game, including maybe my favorite injured artwork. I don't know. Him and him and Oliver really have a, have a tight race for that one. Takami, Empty Vessel, does not have a whole lot going for him, but enough to be in D tier. Fallen Takami is a lot like Garnef in his niche, except it is broader in effect and less potent. Unlike Garnef, Scotty allows Takami to reduce the HP passively of all enemies in a certain range by 10, regardless of weapon or movement class. If you stack enough Takamis around, that can rack up really fast. However, he's not a real heavy-hitting unit. 31-34 offenses are not great, uh, but not bad either. Scotty grants an additional plus 3 to speed, so at least Takami is pretty fast. What damage he doesn't deal with his own hand will come from his bow on turn 3, though, so don't worry. With 61 magical bulk and 62 physical bulk, Takami won't exactly 
roll over and die usually, as long as you can get some uh, decent setup. So you can get some mileage out of him beyond simply his turn 3 HP reduction. He is only a D tier though, as there are many other archers far simpler to build and acquire who are probably much better than Fallen Takami. So don't get too excited. D tier is only D tier for a reason. And that's the episode. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you'd like to reach out to the show, you can do so at our subreddit of r slash Phaeology. You can also email the show directly at phaeology at gmail.com or ilialador at gmail.com. If you'd like to chat, you can do so on Discord at ilialador, hashtag 1130. Remember, you can send us your voice messages to Anchor. It's lots of fun here to say. You can do this at anchor.fm slash phaeology slash message. Lastly, if you appreciate the show and want to support it, you can do that through Anchor at anchor.fm slash phaeology to show your phaeology spirit for as little as a dollar a month. I hope you all have a wonderful day and schedule another appointment with your phaeologists real soon. Take care. And by the way, C-tier is almost done. <laughs> now take care. <laughs>